welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk with you today about this next guest. Her name is Eileen Smith. She is the author of Moving Beyond Trauma. This book is a roadmap to heal from your past and live life with ease and flow. She talks a lot about how experiences have shaped us and create limiting beliefs and narratives that we can't get out of, stories that we tell ourselves. Um, that become entrenched in the way we do things, the way we live. And then as a result, all that we get are the things that we fear, the, the, our anxieties and, and all those kinds of things. And she is here today to talk about that. She says, you know, we can't trick ourselves into thinking that we've dealt with our pain. We can't trick ourselves in thinking that just because we may talk about our pain with a therapist or someone else doesn't mean we're healed. The body is the densest part of the soul and the body understands trauma probably more than we do. And it holds the trauma in different places in our body. And so the somatic experience actually leads us into a deeper expression and understanding that we can't fool our bodies, especially our nervous system. And so she is going to share her story, her experience with us today. Please welcome Eileen Smith. Hi, so good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, okay. Like old friends. I know, I know, I know. Isn't it great? Yeah, it's really cool. I have a kindred spirit in you. I feel yeah. it's so beautiful. Thank you. So, you know, I've, like I told you, I've read this twice and it's great. Thank you. In here, you talk about a few things that I just, you know. So me and my friends, we are constantly thinking about the why. We always talk about the why. Why am I this way? Why am I, you know, why is my emotion doing what it's doing? And in your book, you share this example about kind of this pattern that came out of your, your life. And you said, I wanted to heal before I actually did. So you went from this idea of getting to the why and you went past that. Talk to me about that. So it's interesting. I wouldn't exactly say I went, I went past the why. Because I, I spent years in talk therapy trying to understand why. <laughs> right. right. But it didn't solve for what my nervous system was doing. So it's, it's like I understood, I understood all my issues. I understood how and why I was behaving a certain way and what got me there. So I think from that perspective, the why is really powerful. Like, okay, let me, because it helps us create a little bit of a deeper understanding of mm-hmm. ourselves and it help us, helps us create a deeper relationship with ourselves. Yeah. The problem is it doesn't solve for what. And the reason a lot of times what happens is we go into this why Okay. And we go into the why in a conversation with other people. I love that you share, you know, that that's what happens with your friends, but what, what doesn't happen is you don't get to be with the experience of what is happening in the moment. And what's happening in the moment is really about what's happening in the body. 
And then the why becomes a distraction to be with our sensory experiences and be with our sensations. And so that's why that's where I'm trying to make that distinction. Like why is not going to solve the problem that your nervous system is having. It's not going to rebalance your nervous system if you understand why. Right. Because further in the book, later in the book, you talk about feeling because you do you get the why and then the feeling or the feeling then the why or can you have one without the other let's separate it let's separate it out when okay let's let's start with this idea how do you know you feel anxious is it is it in your head or is it in your body okay so before six months ago i would have said my anxiety would have been in my head because my, my cycling narrative would have been around one issue and I would have just been going and going and going in my brain. The story would have been huge and I would have said, oh, I'm having anxious thoughts. Right. You're having anxious thoughts, but the anxious thoughts are coming from the sensory experience that you're having in your body. But what's interesting is that I wouldn't have said to somebody, oh, I'm having anxious thoughts. I would have said, I'm feeling anxious Correct. But I wouldn't have felt it in my body. I would have been thinking it. So mm-hmm. I believe there would have been a disconnection for me. It could be, but I guarantee you that if you allowed yourself to feel, you'd feel it in your body. You'd feel oh. some sense of discomfort in your body. And that's why you're using your brain as a distraction to be with that sensory experience that's in your body. I don't so, believe you're disconnected. I believe you're using the thoughts to distract you from what feels so uncomfortable in the body. Oh, I love that. Well, think about it. Doesn't it make sense? Yeah. Without question, it makes sense. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really the truth of what I've discovered in the last six months. Like six months before, I would have said, no, it's in here. But mm-hmm. within the last six months, I would have said, no, no, it's in my body. It's making me get up and walk around for 20 minutes. It's, it's um, not focusing on one thing. It's, you know, easily being distracted. It's uh, if I'm feeling stressed, I'll just go and um, get something to eat, whether it's a salad or a chip or a cookie or whatever. I just something or something to soothe. (laughs) Yes. And so it's really interesting that you say that many of us say, I can't control my anxious thoughts. What you're saying is, oh, but it's in the body. So when you learn to control the body, then the thoughts fall into place. Well, we have to, I wouldn't say it's, we have to work with both. Okay. Okay. So not one or the other. So we have to work with the, we have to work with being with it. And the more we can be with the the sensory experiences that we're feeling, yeah. the more resilience we're going to build in the body that we're going to teach our body that we're not going to die from that anxiety. Well, yeah, because in the book you talk about, so my note says um, that you say that healing and balance require bringing the body into the process. The psychological stress is held and manifest in our physical body. We are told that physiological issues are resolved in our heads, that it's a cognitive process. And as a somatic experience therapist, you would say, I could not disagree more. We have to bring our bodies into the equation. And you go on to say that this is the missing link. 
I, I do believe that, but I have to just stop you for a second because I love the way Canadians say process, process, you process, say, process, process, process. I love it. I love it. I just love it. It's so, it's so cool. But yes, I do believe that we have to bring the body in. If we don't bring the body in, we can't solve it cognitively because right, let's, and I'll explain, let me explain why. Yeah. yeah. So trauma, trauma, trauma memories reside in the most primitive parts of our brain and the most primitive parts of our brain, the language is sensation. It doesn't know. It doesn't know. I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to stop the way I'm feeling. It's, it's all sensory. So the, the so, so where trauma wow. resides, it's so, it, so we have to work with sensation. Okay. And I'm not saying we don't have to change our thoughts. No. That's a separate, that's, that's, that's another piece of it. It's a separate entity. Okay. So it's not, you know, people always believe if I change my thoughts, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be safe. I've thought about that that way for years. Right. And yes, it, yes. The way we think will certainly direct a lot of how we move through our life. There's no doubt about it. However, you can't, Think your way out of the anxiety. No, As you know, you, you can't think your way out of it. You have to then, you have to incorporate the body piece and you have to bring the body into the healing process. We can't just heal our minds. Think about it. There's such a body-mind connection, right? That's yeah. why when we have emotional stuff going on, there's often physical stuff. Right. 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 right? So, so we have to work with both pieces. And what we need by, by bringing the body into the process, we then start, we start working to regulate the nervous system. And when we can teach our body that we're safe with those sensory experiences, our nervous system starts to balance. Okay. So bring us into that example at the beginning. One, the very beginning of the book, you talk about um, eating, um, like an eating, emotional eating. Can you share with us that? Because I think that fits right here. It's a really good jump off point. Well, a lot of times, you know, when we, when we feel that dysregulation in our system, when our nervous system is, is not in balance and we don't feel safe in our bodies, we tend to use maladaptive behaviors for short-term gains and to self-soothe. That's why we see people that have had a big, his, a, you know, big history of trauma and chronic stress. A lot of times there's, an, there's addiction or there's eating disorders or there's other maladaptive behaviors because what we're trying to do is we're trying, we're trying to get a quick fix and distract ourselves from the bodily sensations that are so intolerable to be able to feel. And is this the introduction that you you had when you um, first started with a somatic experience? So I started with, I mean, this is how it went for me. This was yeah. my journey kind of went like this. I went back to school in my early 40s and I was working on getting my master's in mental health counseling and I was doing an internship in an eating disorder clinic. And what I learned at the clinic is that I had not seen one patient without a history of trauma. Wow. And, and, and you know, the clinic at where I was working at this clinic, you know, they talked a lot about trauma. So I started, I started, the more I learned and the more I investigated, the more I realized that whatever the maladaptive behaviors show up, we have to, we have to work with the trauma piece to, to resolve it and to regulate the nervous system. If we don't do that part of the work, you can never get out of the patterns. 
can never get out of the maladaptive patterns. So on my own, if you, if you want like a little bit about my own personal journey, yes, I have, I had a long history of eating disorders. Yep. Um, I had done 20 something years of talk therapy yeah. and, and, and yes, my, I was in recovery, but my nervous system still felt dysregulated and it was still, yeah. it's still like everything was a management issue. It wasn't like I just organically, it's like, I <laughs> always deal. It was always like, I was just fighting myself all the time, all the time. Yeah. And so when I got to the, so I, you know, I was turned on to the somatic work. Yeah. I became a patient of the work and I also became a student of the work. I became a, sorry, I became a student of the work and yeah. also became a patient. Yeah. And in that process, like there was just a light bulb moment. And I just watched how my nervous system as a, as a patient of the work really started shifting and the safer, safer I started feeling in my body, the less it was a management issue. It was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not in any of those behaviors. I don't have to think about managing the behaviors. So everything shifted for me. I was less reactive. I was sleeping better. I mean, and the list goes on. I felt, I just felt more connected to myself and more connected to other people. Were you able to, so many people are not able to love themselves. You know, they're not able to take good, solid care of who they are and their bodies and, you know, and maybe it's because of that, you know, like if, if the nervous system, is it like the fan that's running in the background all the time? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, yes. I mean, it, it's, it's, this is, and this is how I see it. You know, people, we, you know, we're such a society of quick fixes. Yeah. There is no quick fix to healing. No. Period. End of story. It's no. like, I've been on, I've been on a, Let's see. I've been on a 30-year journey here to try to heal. And, and this is what I know for sure. It's not one particular thing that's ever going to help you heal. There's no, there's no like, I'm going to do 10 weeks of CBT, or I'm going to do 10 weeks of somatic experience, or I'm going to do 10 weeks of this, or I'm going to go on a week-long retreat. All great tools. And each one adds onto the next piece that you do. So it's like you're building layers and layers and layers of foundational work to get to the next step of some sort of nervous system regulation. So it's, it's, I look at it as we have to, you can either live in your trauma vortex or you can take small steps every day to create a healing lifestyle. And it truly is a lifestyle. Right. Right. Yeah. Because Lots of people, or for myself, for years, I treated it like it was just a part of the process. It, 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 it's not, it wasn't the lifestyle. So now though, um, as I'm older, I realized, oh, it's not going away. Yeah. It's, it's not. And it's not ever going to, the, the life, earth is the school. We live here to learn and Every day is about um, learning something new about where you are in your life and the journey, because you can't predict, you know this, you cannot predict what's going to happen today or tomorrow. You're, you're happily going down the road, minding your own business. And the next thing crisis happens and it is not something that you can predict. And so if you can learn to not manage, but lean in. Yes. Yeah. Might be further. 
Yeah. And so to add to that, the leaning in is about learning how to tolerate being uncomfortable. And the, because yeah. What, yeah, because what we do is when we get up, when we're uncomfortable, we just, we, all we want to do is move away from the pain. Yeah. We want to run from it. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and, but you say here, you say in order to change our reality, we need to change what we hold inside. So when you feel like running, that's your indication of, ah, I need to, and the word change, ah, it's a tough one, right? Because it locks people in and people run from that word. So what would you say? So the thing is when you feel like running away from the emotions and the intense sensations that you feel, like the anxiety when it comes up in your body. The work is to learn how to sit with it and find and use certain tools, like find your tools, like whether it's breath work or it's yoga or it's meditation or whether it's just going out for a walk or being in nature, find that. And that to me is what a healing lifestyle is. Healing lifestyle is about self-care. And so when we feel we're in that paralysis state, it's really hard to figure out what to do next try something, get curious about trying something that might work. So maybe you try a walk, maybe the walk doesn't work. Maybe you try breath work, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe you sit in a meditative state for a few minutes. You have to find your jam and it's different for everyone. So I just invite you to start getting curious about what your self-care skills are. You know, what is gonna work for you in self-care? What I know is that you're not gonna resolve the feelings by eating a bag of Doritos. It just won't, you know, maybe you'll feel better for five minutes, but I promise you, your brain and your body is not going to like the processed food, right? So it's, and and the list goes on. It's not going, alcohol is not going to solve it. You know, excessive drug use is not going to solve it. We have to learn how to be with it. You, you also mentioned um, beliefs, old stories and rules that, that don't serve us. And our life is the transformation. It's, It's not something that you can speed up. You can't just get the quick fix. But one of the things that is so powerful is those limiting beliefs, those old stories, and these rules that I had way back. Like for me, my family, it's like um, scarcity, money. It's a rule. We will never make enough money. Yeah. And I just was yeah, like, no, we will never make enough money. No, we won't. And I'm like actually successful. <laughs> and I keep thinking, I'm never going to make enough money. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Well, Talk but it's, uh, that. it's, you know, sometimes it's multi-generational, right? So it's, I know. You know, we, we carry, we carry stuff from previous generations. We sure do. And so there's, a, there's imprints in our systems and our bodies. So we have to work to release that as well. So sometimes it's not even our stuff. Sometimes, sometimes we're carrying, we're just carrying the stuff of our ancestors. Okay. So you, we got to stop here. Because this is going to, someone is just going to be like, okay, I'm done. And they're going to turn it off. And, or some people are going to roll up their sleeves and go, give me more. Can you just give us more about that? Because, okay, the people that have gone before me are not here. But your nervous, how did your nervous system get developed? Your nervous system got developed based on the nervous systems of your previous generations for like, let's even start with this idea. 
that a baby, a nervous, a baby's nervous system starts is starts developing in utero. Yes. So if you have a mom who's anxious and there's more stress hormones running through her body, how is that baby's nervous system going to develop? It's going to develop in a different way than a, than a mom that has a calm system. So think about that, just that in itself, what that does, right? Or think about, I mean, there's been studies done on this, you know, like Mm -hmm. for, for, um, like, I think, I think there was some study, I can't remember, but for, um, for our Holocaust survivors and the generations down Mm -hmm. and what, you know, there's this term we use epigenetics. It's like the genes getting turned on and off. And I don't know enough about it. So I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Yeah. you know, we have genes that get turned on and off based on, on environmental pieces. So it's, it's, it's embedded in us. What's happened in previous generations is embedded in us. So, I mean, I love the anxiety one because that's, that's an easy example. I think that many of us can relate to, you know. Well, my mom and I were just talking about this actually, as I am a firm believer in this, I, I, I've explored all kinds of things and I would believe what you're saying. And I was saying to her, Hey, you know, suppression is a big thing where you feel like you are just, you just make yourself small, you make yourself small. And I said, you know, it was like, well, grandma was suppressed. My mom was suppressed. I was suppressed. And now my daughters are not suppressed. And there's, because there's an awakening. This is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So we can release these things. We can undo. Yeah, we can undo. So So let's talk about the undoing, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Which part of the undoing? Well, we got to go. So I don't know. So we're going to go. Let's think about... um, there's two types of pain in our body. Okay. The pain we carry from our past or the pain that we create in our present. Well, I think the pain that we carry, right, creates the, it's a lot of times creates the patterning that we, we are in at the moment. Right. Right. So like if you've had, if there's been, let's say there's been several generations of trauma, right. And let's yeah. say suppression. So, you're going to your vernacular of the world is going to be based off of all of that past experience and all the past experiences from previous generations. That's how, that's how we form, you know, people think it's, you know, we're we're so easy to see the physical, um, Mm -hmm. physical genetics that get passed down. Right. Cause that's so obvious to us, but we, but we don't look at the other pieces. Well, because you could say something like, I mean, if, for those who are listening and watching, have you ever heard one of your family members say, oh, we always do it this way? Totally. <laughs> we always do it this way. Yeah. But right? doesn't, doesn't mean it's not messed up. <laughs> doesn't mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's right or it doesn't mean it's really, it's really the healthiest way to do it or it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just because you do it that way, it's going to promote healing going forward. Right. Right. So then fear and anxiety and depression and suppression and loneliness and all those things, they live in the body. Now talk to me about like, how do you know if something's living, if it's, if the memory or the pain is living in the body? 
Well, it's a really good question. Well, there's a, and there's a lot of ways we know, right? Something doesn't feel right. We are avoiding things. We feel depressed. All any, we know that the memories are living in our bodies. If we're not feeling like we're living our body or living our lives in the in its fullest way, or in, in, in what I call an embodied way. Right, like how connected do you feel to the world around you? How present do you feel? How much? How much of your behavior is maladaptive? How much of how much of life are you avoiding? I mean, and the, and the list goes on, right? Like how hyper vigilant you are. Um, right. How you know? Do you you know? I always often hear people that have had a lot of trauma say, "Oh, I don't like people." Well, yeah. that's the trauma response. That's means that I don't like people is. I, what really what their body is saying, I find people dangerous. Well, that's because their experience of people had taught them that people are dangerous. So there's, there's so many ways. And, you know, one of the things that I have, I, um, I created for the book is I created, I created a series of assessments. And the first assessment in my book is what I call a trauma sensitivity assessment. And that assessment basically is not how, I don't like to look at it this way, how traumatized are you, but how, to what degree is your past, your your trauma past impacting how you're living your life today? Well, yeah, and I took the test. (laughs) (laughs) I scored over 100. I was actually, my score, and, and I didn't see it like, um, in a, in a negative way. What I, I, it was so informative for me. Yeah, it gives you good information. Oh, it's awesome. Is to give information. Well, I think the one that I I I laughed at that I actually have a problem with is I feel uncomfortable when someone is chewing too loudly. <laughs> oh, the sensitivity, yeah, the noise sensitivity can be very it can be a it can be a trauma response. Oh, and I and it was always, often, sometimes, rarely, or never. And I was like, it's always, always. I look at someone and I go, and I'll actually say to the kids, if we're looking at pictures, I'll say to them, that person looks like they chew terribly. (laughs) They got a chewing problem. Like that's how, that's how I think about it. So um, I scored over a hundred, which, which really was indicated. I don't remember where, where, um, where would that put you? That puts me in very high trauma. Mm. And, and I know that because, um, and, and your, your, the assessment here said, you presently have a high level of trauma symptoms in your body, although you have some degree of resilience and ability to recover, your healing work will expand the skill as you learn how to center and feel safe. Imagine yourself moving at the speed of a domestic cat. You can take off in a sprint once in a while, but you generally prefer to meander around. Don't forget to reward yourself along the way with a treat or two. Like it. Um, yeah. So there was that. And then you also had another one, another assessment um, for. Five, like, five flight or freeze to see how, how, where, if you're, where you are, um, which one is the most dominant. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And all these assessments are, is there, there an opportunity for you to look at how your nervous system is functioning? And then, you know, I always believe this, if we can name it, we can start working with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the goal, because here's the thing, we all have trauma. It, it doesn't matter. Um, if it's a, a small trauma or a big trauma, can you just explain really quickly 
yes, we all have trauma, but someone's going to say, I don't. And then you, you, you dive in and you dig it and they say, well, I was really bullied or, or, you know, like everyone's, de- trauma- everyone's definition is different. Yeah. And so trauma is really not about the event. It's really about the energy that gets locked in your body around real or perceived threat. So every single human being has had real or perceived threat. Yeah. So to what degree have you had trauma is really the question. And Mm. what we're looking at is, is how resilient you are to each one of those experiences because right 10 people can wind up having the same experience let's say 10 people have the same car accident yeah they're going to have they're going to there's going to be 10 different outcomes and so so to what degree an experience becomes traumatic has everything to do with how safe you felt going into the experience to what capacity were able to defend yourself in the experience and how safe you felt in the aftermath of the experience so then how do you take that energy and move it through so that it's completed? So there's always, there's always, there, so here, let me back up. If you, if you look at animals in the wild, they don't get traumatized. And here's why. Right. Because they have, they have, well, they don't have a neocortex. They don't have executive functioning the way we do. Yeah. Yeah. So because we have, and so what they do is they shake, there's some sort of physical, physical, biological completion. Generally you'll see your animals shake. So they shake off the trauma. It's that energy is getting released from the body and they're resetting the nervous system and they're able to move on. So because our brains as human beings have developed with the neocortex, it's given us more complex ways to solve for potential threat. But what it's done is it's taken away that innate, more primitive instinct to shake off the trauma. So I believe, and, and this is what the somatic experience community believes, is that we have to work with that, those, that biological completion and those, those um, instinctual body movements to move through the experiences. So... We have to we have to resolve it in the body. It's not going to get resolved at our higher functioning. It's going to get resolved at a more primitive level. Level. I know a few people who I was mentioning this book to, and they said, you know, it's interesting because lots of my friends, you know, they're forties, fifties, sixties, and they're saying, yeah, I've been in therapy for years, and there's nothing wrong with therapy. Therapy is the thing that has helped. Um, form and structure and organize and give tools and lots of really strong techniques. But lots of my friends have said, I'm not going anymore. And I keep getting re-traumatized. So this might be a helpful addition to sort of following this trauma piece or the emotional uh, rising to a completion, would you say? Yeah. So- Talk therapy is great for what we talked about earlier. Yeah. It helps you create a deeper relationship with yourself and understand all the issues. But at a certain point, talking about the same thing over and over, it just keeps you in the trauma vortex. It doesn't allow you to move forward. And so that's what the work does. If we can build the body as a safe container, then we can comfortably move through our experiences with a greater sense of mastery and be able to file those trauma memories where they belong because trauma has no sense of space or time. How do you create safety within the body? 
Well, there's, there's, it's a great question and there's several different techniques. And again, it's, it's in somatic experiencing, we work with something called CYBAM, sensation, imagery, behavior, affect, and meaning. So we have all these different tools within somatic experiencing to help, to help build more resilience and resource ourselves so that we can feel a greater sense of mastery over ourselves. And that's really, that's really, you know, the big idea of the work. Hmm. So it's it's kind of, I can, I can give you an example of a client yeah. for sure. So let's take a particular client, let's call him Ben. And Ben came to me, he was in his early twenties, mid twenties actually. And he had um, gone to college and he was now working in a job and he was having a really hard time interpersonally. He thought everyone was always out to get him. He didn't, he didn't trust anyone. And so we do, we dug a little bit into his history and it turned out Ben was an only child. He was bullied a lot. He felt lonely a lot as a kid, you know, he was just made fun of a lot. Yeah. And we got to, he comes in one day and he says, I want to talk about this memory. It keeps coming up for me. I remember, you know, I was, I was 14 and I was at sleepaway camp and these three boys pinned me down and they tickled me until I couldn't breathe. And I was like hyperventilating. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's see if we can work through it. And I said, okay, Ben, did you have a best friend? And he said, well, not really. I said, well, if you would have had a best friend, who would it have been? And he said, well, this kid Jack down the street from me, I always liked hanging out with him, but he, you know, he kind of hung out with the cool kids and we'd hang out after school every once in a while. I said, okay, let's go back to, let's go back to the situation with these three boys that pinned you down. I said, let's see if you can bring, you know, close your eyes. Let's get you back there. Let's see if we can bring Jack into that situation with you. And so we brought Jack in and, you know, we set, we, so we did a whole setup with Jack being there and we really got into who Jack, you know, what Jack was to him. And at some point I said, okay, I said, okay, Ben, so if you were able to defend yourself at that time with the three boys, what would you have done? And he said, well, Jack would have been pulling him off me and I would have been punching and kicking and screaming. And for the next 15 minutes, he just punched and kicked and screamed and cried. And that was like the most beautiful biological completion I had ever seen. And wow. yeah, yeah. And so that was, that was a reset for his nervous system. He was able to move through the experience with a sense of mastery in the present. And, and then, you know, he's able to file those trauma memories where they belong. Mastery in the present. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's one way that, that, that the SC work and the trauma work can, can be effective. Well, when we're able to feel our emotion and the sensations that our body is bringing up, that will free us. But when we're not willing to feel those things, that's when it gets stopped up and blocked up. We get trapped in there. We just get trapped in it. And we go, we just go round and round and round and round. Well, and then we detach, right? You, you, you detach, it's unhealthy. Um, And in order to stay, you know, solid, um, you have to give up something in order to stay detached. Do you not? Uh, Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, like, well, the detachment is is a survival mechanism. Right. 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 If fight or flight doesn't work, we go into that freeze or detachment so we don't have to feel anything. But I always hear people 
well, I've always felt like detaching would be a bad thing. Well, it's a, I mean, I don't like to label these things as good or bad. It's a survival, okay. it's a, it's a survival mechanism. Okay. Right. So if fight right. or flight doesn't work, right. you you're going to, well, just- you're just reacting to fear, right? You're, 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 if you're detaching, then you're, there's a reaction. And sometimes you can't control that you're detaching, but the body's remembering. Well, it's all survival physiology. Right. Right. So we have survival physiology, we have fight, flight, or freeze. If fight or flight doesn't work, our systems will go into a freeze. It's just like, again, let's go back to the animals. So the animals, the animals in the wild, right? They, if they're, if they fight or flight, if they know they're about to get mauled, what they do is they disconnect from their bodies. They go into a freeze in order for them not to have to feel the pain of death or being mauled. And so we as human beings do the right. same thing. We do the same thing. We don't know we've done the same thing. Well, it's just survival physiology. It happens so fast. Right. Yeah. And, and then you wonder, why, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I have that reaction? Why did I, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that happen from that, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me about the toolbox. You have this thing that you really like. It's called a sensory toolbox. So again, everything that, you know, that I talk about is about creating this healing lifestyle. And so what I, what I, what I do with clients is I have them create a sensory toolbox, basically working with their different senses to be able to touch into their sensory experiences in safe ways, especially when they feel dysregulated, when their nervous system feels dysregulated. So I might, let's, so let's take, we might, I might have them create a playlist for when their nervous system feels dysregulated. I might, so that would be sound. I might have them go and buy um, different, go to the store and, and check out different essential oils and see what smells feel really soothing to them. Or I might have them, go to the store and, um, you know, gather different materials like furry things or silky things so that they can get into the touch, touch channel to be able to feel, feel into their bodies as a way to distract them from their minds starting to spin. Um, we might, I don't, I don't use taste a lot because especially like if there's some eating stuff, I, I might not get into there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, certainly, and there are maybe, you know, put together a reel of beautiful pictures or memories. If you don't have beautiful memories, put together scenic pictures. Or if you have some memories, put together a whole series of memories that you can just scroll through and look at. Because even just seeing the, you know, thinking about and seeing the past memories that are happy will help produce less stress hormone in the body. So, you know, dropping into, into those, um, those sensation channels is a big part of this work is really getting in touch with your sensations, with all those sensory experiences and orienting towards them and a way to feel safe. So that, that's the, that's, that's why I like the sensory toolbox. And, and can anybody just do that without having the, uh, going through the somatic experience Absolutely. I mean, anyone can build a sensory toolbox. It, it's just, you know, you have to just get resourceful and go and do it yourself. And it, it's a great way to help to start you know, as an entry point to get in, into, into your sensations in a safe way. And then you'll also figure out in that process, 
which sensory channel feels the most comfortable for you. Like for me, I'm very tactile. I like, I like touching things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always regulating. By yeah. Touching I am things. too. I'm, I'm, I'm always doing something like that. I it's, it's very interesting. And, and talk about as we, as we wrap it up, talk about feeling sad or guilty that you're even in this place. Well, I just want to like leave your audience with this. It's really important to understand it's not your fault. Okay. It's all of your, your childhood and these past experiences that might have led you to maladaptive behaviors or, or created all this anxiety in your body. So it's really one of the things that really, that's really important with my clients is I want to educate them that it's not their fault, that the nervous system gets dysregulated based off of the experiences where you didn't feel safe. And so we have to work to undo that. Hmm. Make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And in your book, you have a, we didn't, we didn't spend much time on the scales because there's not as much need, but they're, they're in there. And these are really important self-assessments. And I found for my own self, um, I took them twice. I did the first, (laughs) I did the first, I did them all once. And then I thought, okay, now I know. And then I waited a couple of weeks and then I redid them. Oh, that's interesting. And so did you get similar results? Uh, The second time it was higher. (laughs) Yeah. I'm assuming you were going through some stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, But the, the scales are really, they're just really good information for you to start laying out and seeing how your nervous system is functioning in the world. Because I think we kind of move through. Sometimes we don't even, we're just doing, we don't even realize what's going on. Well, we're, like you said earlier, we're really built to do and to just get through. Yeah. Um, yes. And we're not as ready to sit. Exactly. And, 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 and that's and, the work. That's and that's the work. To really so, sit. You have some, um, and I, why I also like the book is because you've got healing exercises. And so that's something that we can, when you do buy this book, for those of you who are watching and listening, um, there's all of it is here, the scales, the healing, the stories, it's all here. So, um, what can you leave us with today that would empower and encourage healing is possible. And you have to be patient. That, that's the, I think that that's the big takeaway. Because I agree. Every, but everybody can heal. It's just, it's, and at a certain point that becomes a choice, whether you not want to walk that healing journey or continue to spin out in, in the trauma vortex. Okay. That's really important. And, and there's, because some people, and I would just add as we're, as we're going, you know, back to those beliefs where, where certain, maybe where you were raised, it was, we don't talk about our stuff. We, we don't feel that, but I'm feeling angry. Don't feel angry. So it's those things that you want to look for. And as you begin to listen to this and make this journey, understand that maybe one of those limitations for you to not even entertain this is because there might've been some of those conversations. Um, You get to choose now. That's my biggest takeaway is I get to choose. Oh, for sure. 
And sure. and and how beautiful is that? We get to heal. So oh, totally. So thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much for having me. I love it. And I will have um, the book on my website and I will get people to go over to you um, because um, this is good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye.